Hello and welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines with myself, Gary Middleton, and special guest today, Charlie Bews of Newcastle United Foundation. Charlie, great to have you on, this, on today. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. Pleasure to have you. Great, great. Charlie, interesting one today. Um, we're talking about what hat you've got on today, okay? Mm-hmm. And just before we get started on that, because this is a great topic within coaching, um, can you just explain to everyone a little bit about your current roles within coaching at the minute? Yeah, no problem, guys. So I'm a full-time football development coach at Newcastle United Foundation. So what that entails is I'll work on all the football in the community uh, provision that the foundation do. Within that, one of my roles is I'm an under-19s BTEC coach, working alongside uh, two other, sorry, three other coaches, uh, Terry Mitchell, Michael Woods, and goalkeeper coach Steve Rodden. So we look after the boys that come from uh, Newcastle College and they play in respective leagues and travel up and down the country and play against other like BTECs. Uh, within the, the foundation as well, I'm a mini Magpies head coach. So we have uh, under fives, under sixes footballers that lead into the, the club's academy system through the, the development centres. And obviously some of them boys are hopefully pushed on to be under nines footballers in a few years down the line. Uh, also, a busy man, I do uh, coaching for Bedlet and Terriers in the Northern League in my very limited spare time. So that's a bit of a crash course in my day-to-day roles, mate. Um, yes, uh, I can imagine uh, spare time is very hard to get, Charlie, in your current yeah. <laughs> current night, night time. Night, night, night times is a, uh, is a tough one. As like Obviously, whatever level you coach at, whether that be academy level, on a night time, whether that be grassroots, whether that be Northern League, whatever it may be, it's a lot of night time. If you're lucky enough to coach through the day, uh, you're in the right job, like, so <laughs> not too bad. So I'll just, just uh, touching on your, your development, that must be a great uh, support that you have there with the with the BTEC coaches, yeah. with, uh, with Terry and, and uh, Woodsy yeah, and, and Rods. Two, two like, Two top blokes, especially in like Mick and Terry in terms of like coaching. What I do, obviously, Stevie's like the goalkeeper coach, but he's still got a wealth of experience to lean on. But telling Mick are like first class, like more of the, they won't mind us seeing the old school generation, but they've got lots of modern touches about them where they've, they've coached, <laughs> like Terry's coached <laughs> longer than my lifetime. Same with Mick. Do you know what I mean? They both yeah. really know that stuff and they know how to connect with players and coach younger ones, middles, olders, seniors, whatever it may be, whether Terry's coaching, help with the 23s, or Mix pushing through the next uh, set at Hartley. You know, they're always developing players at different ages. And that's only going to add value for your personal development, Charlie, and taking you forward as a coach as well. Yeah, you just learn off them all the time, just like little yeah. things. Like you might tweak that, you might, or might change that session to get that certain outcome. I don't think... Maybe it's game management, so it's not just you're learning on the X's and O's. You're learning like it's about 60th minute in a game, right? We need to try and change tactically, or what do we do in terms of doing you go and push on to get more compact? Yeah, it's been a real good learning experience, obviously, because the players that we coach are only about five, six years younger than me. But like, you they kind of forget your age, and we'll come on to that obviously further down the podcast where you just the, you earn their respect, but also they respect you from what you've done when you're coaching. And obviously my coaching is only getting better work with them players, but also leading off the experiences that Mick, Terry and Steve obviously given to me to coach day to day. Brilliant. 
sounds a great environment for you, Charlie. Um, Charlie, you're you're one of the lucky ones having a full having full time employment within football. Uh, what drove you to want a role in football and and, and coaching? Um, it's funny. So, like, obviously, as everyone does, leave school at sixteen. I was going to go and be a footballer with um, Graham Fenton and Lee Picton at Monk Seaton Football Academy. I was playing football at the time, and I was an okay footballer. I was like, like, no, um, locally, never really got away. Was involved in like development centres as kids are when you're younger, but I was never good enough to make that actual push. And I, I was gonna go either work uh, with my dad in the electrician business, and then Steve Harrell got in touch with a family member, said, "Does Charlie want to come and do a, a coaching apprenticeship in the Castanated Foundation, chasing children round in the, the school halls?" Domes and dishes and hiring cones out after our school clubs. And I was like, yeah, I'll give it a blast. So, uh, done me level one at 16. Done like a apprenticeship with the Newcastle United Foundation for two years. So, going around shadowing coaches. So, shadowing people like uh, Cheyenne Gazzarani, uh, Phil Welford, uh, Peter Jackson, Andrew Dobby. People like that. Real guys that really helped us when I first started. Um, and just done like loads of like school stuff to be honest guys and then obviously as the years went on I've kind of more transitioned to a football coach um, but I must say I would never be able to become a coach now without doing them school hours that kind of like playfulness like uh, take a grassroots stuff where it's like the kids aren't bothered about what you know your knowledge wise just want a great time so yeah. it's like uh, they building that environment playing the domes and dishes playing the little tails games Learning how to manage like 30 kids in a 10 by 10 hall in Northumberland in Amble. Kids are screaming dinner staff on you out and chairs and Christmas plays, all them sort of things that I learned probably. Um, not coaching football, just managing kids is probably one of the best way I can describe it. Mm. And then, obviously, like I said, I got lucky and got into football that way. Brilliant. A very good grounding by the sounds of it, Charlie. Um, yeah, so, Charlie, we'll look at you know, the, the ways that you have to change your hat on a daily basis for the different environments you have to go in within your working day. How do you find that as a challenge? It, it, it can be hard because obviously like, for, like the 19, so like for example, the Tuesday, I still have to like help out the foundation in terms of their school delivery, just obviously how big the foundation is. We need staff to dip in and out and help other departments. So on a Tuesday morning, I'll go and train the 19s for an hour and a half. So 16, 17, 18, some even up the 22-year-old lads. Then I've got to race in the car, have me dinner, and then obviously go and teach reception children. So it's like, right, I've got to change from being a 19, under-19s coach to then training five- and six-year-olds, how to change direction in a little hall. And I've got to think on the way to the car, what do they need and what do they want? So what... The, what do they need? They need to learn how to change direction, so it might be little fun little points. Uh, so I'll have a little saying, just for example, uh, can you stamp on the spider to change direction? Go right, go left. Uh, what they want to have is they want to have loads of fun, so I'll do loads of little fun games as well. But then when I go to the 19s, we need, I choose these a tactical day, so I'll learn how to prep for the Wednesday. So I've got to really focus on my detail and them understanding the rules, but they probably want to just play games, but unfortunately can't have that. It's a real balancing act, how to quickly change. And I wasn't very good at it at the start, I'll admit, guys. But as the weeks have went on and the months have went on, 
I've been able to change quickly because of the experience I had when I first started coaching, when I was in the dinner halls, going from year one to year two, year three, year four, coaching all the different aspects. Um, but it's like that saying, you've got to probably do the yards on the grass and you just get yeah, better man. at it and just get better and better. That's probably my best bit of advice for it. You must have loads of enthusiasm, Charlie, that your explanations there of going from dealing with probably uh, groups of teenagers, mm-hmm. yeah, that want to be as good as they can at football and probably are still striving, thinking that they've got an opportunity to make it into the professional game. Um, then, as you say, going to a group of year fours at school, possibly mm-hmm. in the afternoon, and then either going to a yeah, player development centre with a foundation mm-hmm. on an evening or a bed and terriers on an evening. How how do you keep your enthusiasm levels? Because the lads at Bedlet and Terriers will still want your huge yeah. enthusiasm at half past seven on a December night on a 3G when it's coming in sideways than the same as your B-Tech lads get it half past ten on you, off you. Yeah, it's it's a real tough one. It's you've got to. I'll admit, there's some days where you go, I'm, I'm feeling it a bit today." But you've got to think like, I'm really big on like, I want to be the as cheesy as it sounds, guys. I want to be the coach that I probably never had, and I always probably never had that like enthusiastic coach. I've had a lot of shouters, a lot of screamers, a lot of people that told us where I went wrong, but never showed us how to get better. So I've always been really passionate about being enthusiastic and being very like. Especially with the younger ones, being an entertainer, you know, you're not so much a coach, you want to entertain them. You want to come back and go, he's great, him. I love him. He's dead funny. Do you know what I mean? Because once you've got them like that, that's when you can start coaching them. With the big ins, with the the senior lads, it was kind of a tough one because later in the evening, but you've just got to do it. You've got to, like, you know yourself, you've just got to leave your job and go, right, I'm going to give these the best experience they can after work. Because when it comes to a Saturday, if we train really well here and I match, they match my enthusiasm, we'll be in a good place. And be fair, not blow me on trumpet, we'll be doing all right this season. Like, so fingers crossed we can, yeah, we can keep on the promotion push. Yeah, good, good, Charlie. What would you say the key characteristics are with the name changes, Charlie? Is a coordinator, facilitator, a coach? I think is it, the changes you've probably got to do in terms of like, going across the different ones, you've just got to be always adaptable at anything that comes in your way. It's like, as a coach, like, you look at the top end, Eddie Howe other week, he's got to adapt straight away. As a coach on the bottom of the grass, you've got to be able to adapt straight away. All them little things, and if you can't adapt and have all them little things in your head, the players will cotton on you straight away. Um, and you've just got to be always ready just to go, yeah, I know what that's what I want, but it's not going to happen. Can I keep being the best I can be? Because I definitely think some coaches will probably be like, I want to, I know what I want, but I can't do it. So I'm just going to stop now. That's it. My enthusiasm is just going to go like that. But you've always got to keep pushing on and pushing on and pushing on. I think it's the biggest thing about being a coach for me is being enthusiastic. Your players have got to come away and go, that was really good. He really cares about me. It's a really good, lively session. Charlie, you mentioned adapt, being adaptable there. Um, now, I know for a fact, because I've got experience with this, you'll be going training on a Monday and Wednesday night with Bedlington, and you'll have planned for an X amount of number of players coming to your session. 
Yeah. Uh, you've got your session planned out and you get three or four texts or sometimes more that lads aren't coming for whatever reason, work commitments, family commitments. How important is that then to have a backup plan? Well, it's... And it's how many massive. backup plans do you need? Loads. Like, <laughs> I, so, for example, like no, no, we train twice a week sometimes with obviously facilities, etc. So, the other week, we were ha- I, we plan to have 18. And the manager goes, uh, yeah, we've got... Uh, Got six under sixteens coming in for a little little kit about like Charlie. I goes, All right. I goes, I had had my numbers planned. He goes, We'll just have to adapt. I, I felt like saying, Oh, I can it. But then I thought, No, it is. I've got to. I've got to do it. I've got I've got to adapt. You know, these kids are coming for their first steps into senior football. So you get the classic out for me. You want to be classic. I've got big numbers and I've got two keepers. I love a three. I love a three teamer. Everyone loves three teamers. Two goals on and off, bang. And then obviously you can coach like little topics in that. Um, to be fair, I think one thing I will say is probably having a support network around you. So where I'm quite lucky where, for example, on the B-Tech, if we get with teenagers, I'll not put a thumb up in the WhatsApp. So my plan for 18, but 10 to 30 comes around and you go, oh, I've got 25 now. So the, all the coaching staff will muck in to change practices to suit the numbers, which is, I understand, is I'm in a lucky position. Whereas if you're coaching, I don't know, it would be and you're, you're coming from work and you're playing for 6 v 6 then obviously you get three more players, it kind of kills you a little bit. So I think it's just being almost like being adaptable on the spot and just plan for what you had and just drop little bits in, drop little bits in. Little, might be a little bit of magic where you go, well, one team might have an extra two players and that bit of magic might be where the players might have to learn to defend outnumbered or how do you attack. There's little things you might create. You've got to be creative, guys, as a coach because yeah. kids... Kids will, if kids have always got structure, coaches always go, oh, we're not very creative on a Sunday. Well, on a, on a Tuesday, all you have is them in lines. Let them go and run across different places. Let them go and do different things. Um, a good thing Tony Trelfall says to us at the foundation is coaches, everybody's obsessed with having squares and nice, neat practices. But if you've got the odd numbers, let's have a pitch that's bit, you know, lopsided. Do you know what I mean? Just like yeah. little things that change. I thought it's a really good point that I've our probably sweaters need to get better at as well as, right, you've got them numbers, right, crack on, let's go with it, see what can come with it. Yeah, Charlie, you, you, all these different roles that you've got to do on a, deal, on a day-to-day basis, um, how is all them challenges uh, help you in your personal development as a coach then? Um, I would think the way I probably developed the most is, probably being within them environments with good people. If I was just bouncing from session to session to session by myself doing it, I would never have any soundboard to go where, well, I don't think that worked. Whereas like I've got Terry and Mick and Steve at the B-Tech. I've obviously got the existing coaching staff within the foundation. So people that I can lean on, such as like Robbie Welsh, who's like my boss, who I can go like, Robbie, I think I, I needed to change that. He can tell me. And then obviously we have the existing coaching staff at the Terriers where it'll be like, Manager might go, yeah, we we'll like that practice. We might change that so we can see that outcome on a Saturday. So it's really having that soundboard, I think, for most coaches. Um, and obviously, it might be where I come home sometimes and I might whinge on the family members or my girlfriend and go, oh, but they don't know nothing about football, but it's just getting it off your chest. Where yeah. So you might not have that in grassroots, where you might not have an assistant who can give you that real expert advice, but it might be just uh, speaking to somebody uh, close by and just saying, look, I think I could have done this better. But it's really important to have a soundboard 
was I don't think it would be any benefit to me developing as a coach doing all these because that's what I I've done it. I've done it to push myself out of a comfort zone, guys, of coaching people just maybe a little bit younger, people that are way older, and kids are obviously uh, a lot younger as well. And I've probably developed a lot more as a coach because I'm constantly changing my hat, as I was speaking about today, yeah. where I need to be on the ball all the time so these kids get the best experience, but the best experience for their age band. So I'm constantly planning meticulously to change it to suit their needs. Yeah, that's a great point you made, Charlie, about the sounding board. And I, th- I suppose for the for the audience listening in today from grassroots, that might not always be the case. Yeah. But I think within the club, I think there'll always be more experienced coaches possibly where you can sound off to mm-hmm. uh, and share that experience that you want a little bit of support and advice on. Or I would even say, speaking to parents who are observing, get their thoughts. I think there's, a, there's not... There's not enough of involving the parents within grassroots mm-hmm. in, in what we're doing as coaches. And I think that's another opportunity where I just get some feedback from them uh, and get feedback from the players. Definitely. Ask, the, ask them, ask them what they like, what was good about it, what could have been better, uh, what they got bored with. And I think that's a, that's a, it's a fantastic way of, of us as coaches of uh, and stuff that I've picked up over the years of you know what are the what are the players like what are them senior players like on a Tuesday night when they've been to work all day what are them year five kids like on a in the hall as you see in a ten by ten what games do they like mm-hmm. because we we need to be doing the the stuff that they enjoy they get the most fun out of to continue their love for the game isn't it because that's what we're trying to. We're trying to do with these players, whether they're 25-year-old or they're five, we mm-hmm. want them to love the game and to continue to keep playing. I think would as well, think? I think, yeah, I would definitely agree, guys. I think what I've learned as well is, like, the the 19s, in my own perspective, the kind of, they tell you what they like and they tell you think, like, what's working because they've been getting results this year and then the five and six-year-olds that you may coach on a Monday night, with the mini magpies, they're never going to tell you that. I mean, it's going to dart round, you know what I mean? They want to have a great time, whatever you do. But then you go to the Terriers, and it's all about three points. And some of the lads are going, I'm not enjoying this. So you have to go, right, okay, well, I kind of keep up at everybody because he's a centre half and I'm working on an attacking pattern. But I might flip it around, so we'll work on the defending through an attacking pattern. So it's all about catering for their needs um, best you can. But obviously, understanding their environment, like, the lot, I see a lot of it where I might go and walk the dog down like next to the fox sometimes because I live close by and I can see coaches knocking out practices to replicate how certain uh, senior teams do it at the elite level. It's just never going to work and it's like us trying to implement certain patterns of play on a Thursday night up at Mortwood's 4G at 8 o'clock when the lads have come from work. They just want to probably just play a lot of condition yeah. games just replicating what we're going to do on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, but it just goes back understanding your players better what they you're always going to try and give them what they what they want but sometimes you're going to have to give them what they need so it might be where you just give or take but as long as you explain it I've found out over the years saying like look lads we're going to do it this way they'll go yeah right understand then you go bang into what they want and they'll give you a full blast because they've done well that's probably the best way I can do it yeah yeah, good, great advice, Charlie. Charlie, what would you you mentioned it earlier? Your, your go-to um, 
on a on a night time at Bedlet and Terriers would be yeah. a three teamer. What would yeah. be a, what would be a go tos within them younger age groups for coaches listening in, uh, yeah. working around the foundation phase? Um, if you're lucky enough to have mini goals, I love a four goal practice. So players would pair up, first player to score on every goal or every goal twice. You play like a little cat and mouse. Kids love that one. You might even do that as two v twos. You might get a little combination play. Kids love that one. Um, I love a little arrival activities. How many times can I get the ball to go through your legs? So if you're rushing from work, you're out, yeah, your sandwich in your hand, and you're trying to hold your cones out. Kids, how many times can I get the ball to go through your legs? How many times, how many different ways can you flip the ball up? Little ones like that. Uh, I love little reaction games. So I might have a little cone in the middle, player on each side, coaches walking around shouting out, head, shoulders, and then he shouts a cone, bang, can you grab it? Add a football on, can you steal the ball? And once they've stole the ball, they're going in, they go in that four-goal game. So it's all about reactions and then winning the ball back. So you're getting like a bit of attack and play, bit of defending, and then you're working on the transitions. So you're ticking off the three moments of the game, and you're working with five-year-olds. That would That's probably one of my favourites for the little ones. Um, if you've got loads, if you're listening probably and you're working with big numbers, I love little like tag games. So just like get a kid, get a couple of bibs and stuck in the mud. Stuck in the mud. The classics don't complicate it. Don't complicate it. Kids will just play the classics. You know. I think sometimes over the years, especially about two three years ago in the lockdown periods, I used to sit there and go, right, I'm gonna reinvent the wheel and do loads of complicated passing patterns and fancy practices I've seen on Twitter. And then I just thought like two years later, I thought, what was I doing? Just go back to what you know and what the kids love. And the players love, and you'll always get it. But the four goal game and the cone game, the little tag games, they're always the goal to guys. Any age, the Terriers lads will tell you. I love little live nights to get them going. Uh, they might even say Sim- I'm too lively with them. Simple practices, Charlie. That's all Isn't it is. It? Simple practices. All it yeah. is, man. With, uh, with really good detail from, from us as coaches. Um, Charlie, where do you where do you feel your skills are best utilised now? You're still you're a young coach, um, a one with a really um, good future ahead of yourself. But where would you see your skills are best utilised at this moment in time? Because I think that changes as a coach, which it has with me. It'll yeah. change. But where where at the minute do you see it? Um, if you'd asked this two years ago, I would 100 percent just say that bottom end. Bottom end, bottom end, like really good at the bottom end. That's like kind of like me, me package. I know how to do it, but I've been. You mean the foundation phase, Charlie? Yeah, sorry, yeah, the, yeah. Sorry, the foundation yeah. phase. Um, but I have enjoyed obviously going up towards obviously like more the senior side. Um, but I think it's probably at the minute it's still probably more down the foundation phase is where I will end up specialising in. Uh, whether that be with the the fives and sixes. Or whether it be up to like yeah sevens, eights, nines, tens. Um, I do quite enjoy dipping in and out with them ones as well. That's not to say though that give it another year I might really really enjoy kicking on a game with the senior lads. I just yeah. think I know my bread and butter. I'm trying to make myself as good as I can be, but at the same time, really pushing myself with the 19s and obviously the um, the senior guys as well. And I think there what you've mentioned, Charlie, that that's. It's stretching you with as a coach, Definitely. doing the doing the older lads, and yeah. and that's only going to improve you as a coach and as an as an individual as well with them challenges uh, that that you're coming up across uh, on a weekly basis. 
Um, Charlie, what 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 is the future hold for Charlie Pugh's? Um, I would I would love to obviously keep pushing on and pushing on and coach to the highest level possible. Um, I would love to obviously continue pushing on within the foundation uh, in terms of structurally climbing the ladder uh, within my organisation. Uh, I would like to obviously keep maybe pushing on to work within maybe the Newcastle Knight Academy in terms of the the nines, the tens, or the elevens, twelves. You no, know, up that that way eventually when the time arises at a good time that's obviously always been a an ambition um but i've kind of learned try not to chase opportunities the opportunities will come to you if you you do the hard work and i think over the last year i've really knuckled down on opportunities have come my way um in terms of people coming to me and saying look do you want to get involved with this um so no i think it's just keep Keep plodding on, keep working hard. Obviously, if you keep working hard, people will talk about you, yeah, then opportunities will come your way. Um, in terms of other bits, I want to really go into tutoring, guys. I think I've, had, I've been lucky to have some really good tutors. So three people that have really stood out for me, tutoring-wise, has been uh, Robbie Pringle, Claire Robinson and Alan Furness. They've really, really stood out me in my coaching like pathway. Um, really, really good. Um, so it's kind of like, can I take something off them? come to learn to be a tutor and then give back to obviously the the local Northumberland coaches who are starting their coaching journey as I did when I started all them years ago. Brilliant. Charlie, it's been a real pleasure listening to your stories, your experiences today. Um, sure you've got a really bright future ahead uh, and we'll wish you all the luck in the, in the future and hopefully we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Love it.